Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Good morning. Ah, uh, so good to be up this morning. See your lovely faces. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Father God, we thank you that you're here with us. Jesus, we acknowledge all that you've done for us in the adoption that we've all received in Christ Jesus, that we can all stand here as brothers and sisters in the family of God. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your heart, your, your will, your mind that unites us in love. Holy Spirit, bring your anointing, saturate us, soak us in you, that we would receive everything you intend for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Did I share the last time the testimony of the woman who was raised from the dead? Do you remember? Did I share that? Uh, okay. Um, one, of our, one of the greatest joys that we have in, as missionaries in Zimbabwe is um, t- we take a, a boat trip up the Kariba Lake and uh, hassle uh, crocodiles and dodge hippos and... <laughs> hunt for lions and wave at the elephants. But the, 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 there's an unreached people group, a village, uh, fishing villages up in, the, up in the upper part of the Zambezi, where the Zambezi comes into the lake. And uh, one of our joys is to being able to go out there. And the pastor that we work with has been, had been going out there. Now it's seven years Seven or eight years he's been going out there and establishing a, a fellowship. He doesn't like to call it a church because there's so many churches that carry their own little um, identities. And he wants, he, his heart is to see the people of God come into a relationship with God and out of that relationship do what Jesus did and just love the people around them, regardless of what labels they have. And so, and so we've been working with this group of leaders <clears throat> in this certain village. Just love God. Um, and uh, what was it? One of, the pet, one, of the lead, one of the leaders in that is just amazing. He just, he'll be talking and all of a sudden the spirit of God will hit him. And he'll start just shaking and he'll just start... You can just see, it, and then out of these, out of his mouth will come these prophecies that you you would in, you would expect to hear from Bob Jones. I mean, amazing prophecies, just just like man, this guy's crazy, this guy's wild. So here's God manifesting 
amidst these leaders. And and they just meet under the they just meet in the little areas of their little village. Everybody just comes together and they they sing their songs and they just read the word and they just share what God what the Holy Spirit's teaching them. Amazing things are happening with them. They go from village to village. They've been praying for the sick. And they've been having miracles of healings. People getting saved. Going through different villages. People getting saved. And they're basically having this mini revival that is just is continuing to grow. So we still get these, these invitations from these pastors. When are you coming back? The work is ready for you. You need to come. We need to start a school. We need to raise these men up. And, and so it's like, oh. This pull, so um, I'm making a plan on going back in uh, in March, but uh, we're waiting on the Lord to to open those doors to, for us to return. But our hearts are still there, so please be praying towards that that the the Lord would just open the doors uh, of of and provision for us to return. The work is mighty. Anyway, one of the we would we would go in and we would have these discipleship times with we'd spend a few days with the people there we'd have these discipleship times where we take these leaders and just disciple them hear their testimonies what are you what are you hearing god say and then build upon their faith with the word of god <clears throat> and uh and they shared one of these tests and then we would invite them to come to our to our town little town of lions den and then we'd have these, these intense discipleship classes where we continue just to build, build them into the, the mature men of God. And then their wives get jealous. So now we've got their wives coming too. So, <laughs> now, which, is a, which is an interesting dynamic because this, this man who's obviously so touched by God, Spirit of God touches him and moves upon him. And just the miracles, of, uh, the miracles that's coming, coming from him it, it is amazing. And, and so what do you do? <laughs> what do you do with this man that God obviously has touched, saved, using his minister? What do you do? When he has two wives. He had two wives before Christ. He comes to Christ. Evidently it didn't matter to him in his salvation. Jesus. And God, God receives him into his kingdom with both his wives. Both of his wives love God. All their children love God. What do you do with that? Because that doesn't fit into our Western church, you know, it, it doesn't fit. It's like, wait a minute. What, 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 how does that? Well, evidently, you have to follow God. If it mattered to God, he'd probably tell him because he's very sensitive to the, what the God has to say. But he's been faithful in loving both his wives. Okay? What do you do with that? That doesn't, that doesn't fit in my theology. That kind of, it's still, I, I'm still working on that one. What, what do you do with that? I don't know. Not my problem. That would be his problem. So I'm going to let him take care of that. <laughs> Am I right? If he doesn't give me a solution, then it's none of my business. Okay? So I let that one go. And I celebrate what God's doing with him. Amen? 
So we got, they come to our town and we're ministering to them and they share this testimony. They said, uh, one of the women in their village had died. They were out fishing. They came back and they found out this woman had died. And now they're preparing for there. You don't, you don't waste a lot of time. The, the weather's too hot. There's no embalming. So you understand the immediate response of putting, putting them in the ground. <clears throat> and so they come back. The men, the, the men are already digging the hole for the body. And they have this, they have a, a welcoming, farewell type thing for the, for the passing of this, this, this woman. And so here she is laid out in one of the little huts. And there's a line of people coming in, giving their, giving their condolences to the family, leaving gifts. Usually it's fish or rice, bags of rice, whatever. Leaving food, prepared food, just leaving their gifts and then leaving. So here's these two pastors. They go into the room. And uh, Blessing, that's his name. His name is Blessing. <laughs> and then he's like, Blessing, shh, power of God comes on him. And he, look, he leans over to the other pastor and he goes, I think I'm supposed to raise her from the dead. The other pastor goes, she's been dead for a while. <laughs> it's, been, it's been several hours. He goes, uh, I think I'm supposed to do it. The other pastor says, well, well, how do we do that? He goes, well, let's do what Jesus did. So, G, so they go, okay, everybody who doesn't believe in God, get out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Only the family can stay. So he, everybody who's crying and mourning, yeah, you, you can leave too. So he runs everybody out of the room. He gets on his knees. He puts his hand on him. And he, goes, he says, and I prayed a, a strong prayer. Which means he prayed really loud. He prayed a strong prayer. And as he's praying, this woman comes back to life. Just because, well, they did what Jesus did. And this is how Jesus would do it. And then it happened. Can you, can you imagine the impact now that that has in this village, Jesus Christ is recognized as the Son of God in that village. Amen? Hallelujah. Good testimony. To kind of give a rundown of what we, uh, those of you who weren't able to join us for the conference, I'm going to give it like a little review because this is kind of a tie-in of everything that, we've, uh, that I've kind of talked about. And so um, in, Eph- in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, By grace are you saved through faith, and this not of your own works, it's a gift of God. Amen? One of the things that Jesus confronted his disciples the most was the simple thing of their lack of faith. Oh, ye of little faith. He would, he would constantly, when they didn't have the faith to cast out a demons, he would go, oh, you a little faith. And so faith was a big issue with God. Amen? And so when you, when you, when you, when you see that scripture, by faith are you saved through grace, 
By grace are you saved through faith, and this not of your own works, it's a gift of God. Here is God's gift for you. It's called salvation. And this salvation is received by grace. You can't earn it. But it comes, it, it comes to us through faith. Amen? And in that scripture is a kingdom principle that's, that is relevant to our accessing the kingdom of God. Amen? Jesus says... Repent, change the way you think. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is is accessible to you and it's accessed by faith. Amen. So here's the kingdom of God, if you can imagine. The kingdom of God is accessible. Everything in the kingdom of God is ours by grace. Amen? We can't earn it. it. It's not rewarded for our for our accomplishments or our performances. It's ours by grace. Grace is his abundance favor. His supernatural empowering abilities flowing into our lives. But it goes through this channel through called faith. Grace through faith. So the measure of our faith will determine the grace that we access. Does that make sense? A great faith, abundant grace. That's why the scriptures talk about greater, greater faith, greater grace. Look at that. Look, do a study on those. Look at the word faith and grace. Do a study on those and you'll see there's greater grace, greater faith. Okay? So we were working this, this the last few days in what... What are the things that constrain our faith? What are the things, and that's why we talked about the lies. What are the lies that we believe that rob us of faith, that create doubt and limit the grace that we receive? Those are the things that we talked about. We talked about the enemies. That are at war. We are in war. If you're not aware of it. But we are in a spiritual war. This. The enemy. Sees us as a threat. To his kingdom of darkness. He understands. That when we begin to speak. The words of God. They carry the same power. At, from They carry the same power. That, that God initiated with his own words. And created heaven and earth. You understand that? God spoke and the worlds were created. That same God is still speaking, but he's speaking through us. So when we hear, when we see what God is saying and what he is doing, when we, when we partner with him with what he's doing, we can actually release creative power into the world. Amen? We can release creative life into a dead body. Just because I think I'm supposed to pray for this woman. He received the word. I, have, I can bring this woman back to life. In that thought, that's amazing. In that thought that came to him was the simple faith. Well, if God says it, then I believe it. He didn't have a lot of religion <laughs> that prevented him from actually 
believing for that. Is this making sense? He didn't have a whole lot of history of of lies influencing in his reason. He was a man of faith. He's uneducated. He didn't, hasn't been to any university. He hasn't been to the school of theology. He hasn't been to any of those things that influences. And a lot of these influences actually teach us lies that rob us of the faith to, re, to receive the grace. Does that make sense? Yeah. So <clears throat> I know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Amen? So I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend a little bit of time reading through some scriptures for the purpose of building your faith. So after I read, I'm going to go through these scriptures, and then I'm going to talk to you for a while. Okay? Let's, first one, let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 6. See, this will help me stay on time too. So. Amen. Thank you for the coffee, you guys. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his kind intention and his will. Here's the before the foundations of the earth. God had a plan for humanity. And in his plan for humanity was before sin. In other words, sin was separate from God's design. Amen? And in his design was this destiny. What is this destiny? That we would become a family of sons and daughters to him. Huh. Imagine this. Imagine here it is. Here's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in their union of loving relationship with one another before anything else was con- conceived. Anything else, nothing else was created. In their love, that's where you were conceived. You were conceived in love. That word knowing God is the same word used when a husband knows his wife. And out of that loving knowing, children are conceived. That is a mirror of this origin that we we all have a part of. Amen? Isn't that awesome? What is this destiny? We will become the children of God. We will be in relationship with a father who loves us unconditionally. Amen. 
That's where we're going. That's our destiny. Okay? Now let's read uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I'm going to start with 28. 28 is such such a powerful verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. In other words, no matter what life deals out to you in, in, your, in our journey, God can make it come out to good. In other words, we may take all of these off-roads. We may, do all, we may make mistakes. Life just happens. Crisis happens. Trauma happens. And in all of that, God still is able to bring us back to that place of his destiny. That's his, that's his gift of redemption. He redeems us back to our origin, our original call. Amen? I love that. Continue. For whom he foreknew, and that word know again is that experiential knowledge, that experience out of relationship, he also predestined to become formed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among the many brethren. And whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. It's a beautiful journey here. In other words, those he predestined, where did you get your predestination? Way back here in your origin, in your conception. Those he predestined, he called. In other words, you have In God's design of who you are, you carry a purpose. And in that purpose is your call. And you recognize, here's, I have have significance. And my significance, God is calling me to. So I come into that fulfillment. And in that calling, what is, I am justified. In other words, everything that messes that up, God dealt with. Everything that would disqualify me from my call because, yeah, life sometimes creates opportunities for poor choices. God goes, yeah, I'm going to justify that. Just as if it never happened. Put you back on the right path. And those he justified, he also glorified. We stand the fulfillment of who he designed us to be. Isn't that beautiful? Next scripture, let's go to go to Jeremiah chapter one. Verse five says, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. In other words, Before you were even conceived in the natural, he already knew you in your conception. He actually, in that word knowing again, is an experiential relationship with you in his foreknowledge. He experienced you. And in that experience, he fell in love with you. Just like you're his child. Amen? So you're actually his dream come true. 
Isn't that beautiful? Before you were born, I consecrated you. I already, he already set you apart for a purpose. Consecration is, I'm setting you apart for this purpose. And I appointed you, speaking of Jeremiah, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. That's what Jeremiah. Now we know that the scriptures also say that we, God is no respecter of person. In other words, God doesn't have any favorites or we're all his favorite. Am I right? So here's Jeremiah. I already knew you and I formed before you were formed in the womb and I set you apart for this purpose. Now the question is, <laughs> who are you? Why are you here? And what will you become? Amen. Because God knows what that is. And all of this comes through connection with him. Relationship with him. We experience Father speaking into our lives and calling out in us. That's what a father does. He calls out in their children their identity, their value, their purposes. Amen? Got it? One more scripture, but I'm going to read it from, uh, from uh, the Passion because it's just, it's just worded so awesomely. Okay? Uh, I'm going to be reading Psalms 139, 14 through 18. I love this. This is awesome. You ready? I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. I love that. Put your hand on your chest. Point your finger. I'm mysteriously complex. (laughs) There's no one like me. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. You getting this? Is this truth getting into your heart? Because I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to start this over again. I want you to hear the words and let the truth be spoken into your identity. Amen. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is, is a marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord, inside and out. You even formed every bone in my body. You created me in the secret place. Where's that secret place? Way back in our conception. (laughs) Carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing into something. I saw who you created me to be before. You saw who you created me to be before I came to be me. Before Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the numbers of my days you already planned for me. You already recorded me in your book. Every single moment you're thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider 
that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. O oh God, your desires towards me are more numerous than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, there you are. Did you hear that? Let's stand. Put your hand on your heart. Close your eyes. Father God, I thank you. That I am wonderfully and amazingly created in your image. Your image is so vast. It took an entire. It took entire humanity. To represent your image. Therefore I acknowledge. I'm the only one like me. That represents you. In your uniqueness. You placed in me your image. That nobody else possesses. Therefore I acknowledge. I'm awesome. And then you demonstrated the value that you have for me. In the price you paid for me. Therefore I declare. I am more valuable. Than the life of God. Think about it. Was Jesus God? Did he give his life for you? There's your value. Does that make sense? Is that the truth? God gave his life that you would become his child. That's your value. Who is a pen? My wife bought this for me. Christmas, wasn't it? Or birthday? Go ahead, sit down. I have no idea what she paid for it. We'll say $25. It's probably more than that, but we'll say it's $25. Now, the materials, sand, glass, wood, may be $5 at the most of materials. Am I right? Not right. Okay. But its price isn't determined of what it cost. Its price is determined by what we're willing to pay for it. She was willing to pay $25 for this that only costs about $5 worth of materials. You get that? Jesus looks at you individually and says, you are so valuable, I'm going to pay for your life with mine. Is anything more valuable than that? Is there any, any higher price? I mean, because that kind of surpasses every, all the wealth that's on this world that he already created. W- wouldn't it be? It's like if you could gather up all the gold, all the jewels, all the diamonds, everything that's on this earth, 
that was not, God did not consider that worthy enough to purchase your, redemption, purchase your, your, your salvation. He gave his own life. Therefore, does anybody have the power or authority to trump God in your value? Does any? Close your eyes. Therefore, I declare, there is not a person on earth, not my parents, not my siblings, not my peers, schoolmates, neighbors, or even my enemies who have the power or authority to diminish my value. Does that make sense? Therefore, I'm immune to rejection. I'm immune to the fear of man. (laughs) And I don't give a flip what people think about me. (laughs) Was that okay to say? (laughs) But do you get that? Because when we understand the value that we carry with God who created us and designed us, what does it matter what, you're, what people think or say about you? It has no basis. Isn't that good? <laughs> I also acknowledge I do not even have the power or authority to diminish my own value. Regardless of my past, my failures and faults, they do not define my value. You get that. Therefore, I declare, I'm immune to shame and condemnation. Does that make sense? In other words, you can't disqualify yourself From what God's called you to do. You cannot shame yourself. In determining your value. Amen. In other words. You are worthy. He determined you're worthy. When you were conceived in his love. Am I right? There's coming a day when we will stand before the Lord our God as we receive the rewards. Not for the things that we've done. Not for how well we performed. Not for how many orphanages we built, how many missionaries we supported, how many church, how, how we served in the church. It has nothing to do with what we've done on earth when we stand before him and receive rewards. The rewards are given to him who overcomes. 
Revelations 3 through 6. To him who every church receives, every church receives a promise of a reward to him who overcomes. One of those is a white stone with your name that only you have inscribed upon it that was inscribed (laughs) way back when you were conceived. And at the end, when you are transformed in the twinkling of an eye, when you stand in who he's already designed you to be, transformed, as the scripture says, he's going to hand you that stone because you overcame. And here's your identity. And he's coming back and says, see, I knew who you were all along. What is it that we're overcoming? It has nothing to do with performance. It has everything to do with counterfeit identities. Unbelief. Poor values. His ways becoming our ways. Is this making sense? So everything between this conception before creation... And when we stand before him transformed into what he's designed us to be, everything in between is transition. Does that make sense? We are all on a journey of becoming like Christ. Jesus mirrored what does, this is what that looks like. A son of God without sin, with purpose. To rule and reign. And then he says. You are called to rule and reign with him. So our purpose. Is bigger than this. Is is bigger than our transition. This transition. Is all about preparing us for that. Destiny. You getting that? Does that make sense? The things that we struggle with. In our journey. In being an overcomer is all about this relationship. It's a le- because this is all about me being vulnerable and humble to the truth that God is speaking into my lives that empower me to overcome the lies that I believed in, my, in, my, in the life that I've lived, the struggles that I've endured. The persecution, the hardships, the traumas, the conflicts have all taught me lies and how I, how I need to survive as an orphan. When I came into Christ, the orphan man was crucified and I became a son of God. And in my identity as a son of God, I now have access to the kingdom of God. And the truth that empowers me by grace to overcome. Amen. As long as I allow the regrets of my past as chains that hold me bound to this big steel ball of shame. It will hinder me from moving forward as an overcomer. Because I will think of myself as a victim. I cannot think like a victim and be an overcomer. I cannot 
believe as a slave like the Israelites and be a conqueror. That's why the Israelites ended up dying in the wilderness because they couldn't step into the heirs as children of God. Make sense? Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Let me read another scripture. E, uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And that trust is simply, I humbly rely on your involvement in my life. God, this life is about my connection with you. Amen? And I'm going to trust in him. Okay? For he will be like a tree planted by the water. That extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, when its leaves, but its leaves will be green and it will be anxious and it will not be anxious in the years of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. So think of yourself, the scriptures, and again in Psalms chapter one, it says we were like, blessed is the man. Who, who, delights, who delights in the self of the Lord, he will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. Right? You know the scripture. So the scriptures relate to us as trees. So think of yourself for a minute as a tree. Okay? Now, you're not like an apple tree in an orchard of hundreds of apple trees. You are a one-of-a-kind tree designed to produce a one-of-a-kind fruit that only you could produce. Only you can represent God in producing what he's called you to produce. Does that make sense? You're the only one that's like you. So put your hand on your heart. I agree with you, Father God, that my identity is priceless. My personality is priceless. Regardless of what your spouse says. <laughs> My gifts and calling are priceless. Everything you design me to be is awesome. You believe that? You are designed to be awesome. The fruit you produce is awesome. And only you can do it. Only you, only you can be you. So the key to us coming into the fullness of what God called for us is us coming to the recognition how God created me to be in my strengths and in my weaknesses. I get to be free. I get to be open and vulnerable. Don't judge me for not being administrative. That's her job. That's her fruit. <laughs> Amen. And so the problem is <laughs> we're all like the rest of humanity. We're all stuck in dirt. And this world has had its influence in our root structures. 
shame, pride, fear, lust, all of the diseases that have affected our roots are producing fruit that we weren't designed to produce. Am I right? But God in His grace and mercy, He comes to you and He says, I choose you. And His choice wasn't because, oh, look at you, poor thing. Look at all this rotten fruit. You really need my help. Now, His choice was irrelevant to the, to the sin. His choice was because, oh, I know you. I, you were conceived in my image. I choose you to represent me. And the moment he said, I receive you, all his past sins, all his future sins, every, all his rotten fruit was dealt with at the cross. The fruit is no longer the issue in our lives. Does that make sense? How we behave, our attitudes are no longer the problem. Jesus took the penalty for our sins. The real issue now is, yeah, down in this root system. Right? That's where the big problems are. How we believe. So his forgiveness continues. And then he gives you his spirit. And you became born again of the spirit of God. His life is now in your tree. For reforming, transforming your root structures. Amen? You became born again of the Spirit of God as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Amen? That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gave you the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? You will be transformed into who you've been designed to be. Into your predestination. Amen? Your Spirit in you is that guarantee. God's no longer worried about it. Yeah, you'll get there. Amen? And whatever that journey is, sometimes when journey, our journey is combined with the fruit of pride, it kind of want to hinders us from holding. When our journey is hanging on to the regrets of our past, it hinders us from that. No problem. God's spirit is at work. He's revealing truth. And I love the way God works. Hmm. I found this in my own life. When I believe that God takes me through seasons. Remember we talked about seasons. He takes me through seasons. Sometimes there are seasons where the, where the truth is just. God is speaking his truth. And those are truth. are like seeds that go into my system. That begin to change the way I think. I brace his word with repentance. But like every season. That season is usually followed by a season of war. Where the enemy tries to come and steal. Remember the, the parables. Right? Of the, of the sower. He tries to come and steal the, the seed. And we have to fight those things off. He tries to sow his tares. Worry. Right? The fears of this world. He sows. He tries to sow into our, into our root system. Those things that are contrary to the word of God. But, in the, but as we fight. We stand in the truth. And we've come into that place. Now the fruit begins to come off of my tree. The fruit of joy, peace, loving, love, patience, all the fruit of the spirit is the evidence that God has been restoring and transforming my belief system. 
Amen? Um, Now, some of us have been in this journey longer. Some of us are further up the road. Some of us have been in this journey for a long time, but things have still kind of, we've kind of hung on to things, so our journey has been kind of hindered. Some of us have been really under attack, and we feel like we stepped forward two spaces and back three. And it's been a war. Some of us have allowed the, the traumas of our past to keep us in a victim mentality. And we have, but God has already accomplished what He intends. So do we just give up? Well, that's already been, that's a deposit guarantee. He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion. That's his job. My job is to yield and partner with him. Amen? To give you kind of an example of what that looks like. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but every once in a while, I I pop off a bad fruit. I know. Don't be shocked. (laughs) There it is. Well, it wasn't too long ago. My wife and I are getting ready in the bathroom, not to shame her. This is just reality. She says or does something that pushes my anger button. Look, there it is, anger. I don't even remember what it was. It's just an example. Don't, don't jump on me later. <laughs> okay. Uh, does, any of you, does any of you deal with that where your, your spouse push, finds your anger button, pushes the button? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's something simple that she says, and I interpret it wrong, and I still, there it is. Okay? Now, I know that anger is not sin, right? That's not the fruit. Anger is, an, is, a, is a response to an injustice that I perceived. Okay? And it's, my, it's my, my awakening of my emotions to defend myself. Okay? There's anger. Ang- be, even God gets angry. The scripture says, be angry and sin not. So how I respond to that anger then becomes the big issue. Right? (laughs) So in my response to that anger, now comes the fruit. Aggression. I raise my voice. I bit her head off. Not literally. (laughs) And she was wounded. There it is. And now I got this conviction. Holy Spirit going, "Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about how you just behaved? Now, I have a tendency just to kind of go, well, let's pretend like that didn't happen. I'll just ignore it. And because, you know, maybe tomorrow she'll forget about it and and we can just go on. Am I relating anybody? Okay. We'll just ignore that. I mean, because, you know, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. I even have the bumper sticker. Or I'm, it's, I'm just human. That's just, that's just the way I am. I'm human. This is, just, this is just normal. And I won't access the grace that's available to me. And it looks like this. <laughs> Aggression is not what I was designed with. Right? I won't be taking it into heaven. 
Therefore, this is illegitimate to who I really am. This does not belong to me. Therefore, there's root damage somewhere. There's a lie that I'm believing that's producing this aggression. Now I get to take it to God in my relationship. Holy Spirit, I don't like the way I just behaved. What is the lie that I'm believing that's producing that? And I walk through this. I don't remember because that's already been forgiven. I forgot it. But I do remember my interaction with him. And he goes, well, you believe you can control your wife through aggression. Ouch. I don't like that fruit, Lord. What's the truth that I can exchange for that? The truth is, it's not your job to control your wife. It's your job to love her. And now I got to walk in that. In walking in it, practicing it, it becomes a value system I begin to live from, and I stop producing aggression. Does this make sense? What is it that we experience in the fruit that's that's popping off that doesn't belong to us? That's not like Danette was saying. Where did you hear that? Who told you that? Amen? Is this, is this making sense at all? Because we're all in this journey. Hmm. Now, around your tree, there's your yard. Okay? Now, basically, this, this is your, your sphere of influence. People come, people go. And everybody that's in your sphere, everybody in this room, is in their own journey. Everybody is popping off good fruit, and they've got some bad fruit. Now, some of the, now, if we're really good Christians, we cover up the bad fruit. And we're very, protect, and we're very careful of what we say and what we do in the, around the people that, that, are the, that are way up in their, in their journey. So I want to pretend like I'm up here. My wife knows I'm way up here. <laughs> this is making sense. Because I can put on the face of being the mature man of God. And I'm dealing with my wife angry because I forgot to take off the trash. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's real life. What would it be like to have a church where the people are free to be themselves and being able to talk about this is what this is what I popped off this week. This is what God showed me. And this is how I overcame. How would the testimonies be? Where we can be vulnerable. Danette and I have tried to, to represent vulnerability. We put it out there. Not all of it. But to give you a good picture, this is the vulnerability. We can be, we can be honest with one another. Here are the struggles that I'm dealing with. And, I, and I'm not hearing God. And then we can deal with the issues. Why, why is there this connection? Amen? 
one of the greatest, the greatest that I've experienced in the ministry that I do. The number one issue of disconnection is called unforgiveness. Which brings me back to, here's your yard. And God is really good when we believe that things are well. Life brings pressure. And God looks at pressure and hardships in our life as, oh boy, what's he going to discover? Because in pressure, what's hiding under the roots begins to pop off. Am I right? (laughs) Am I right? So in in the life where you just get up, something's off today. Who can I bite the head off today? You feel the pressure, anxiety, worry, just cranky. Anybody wake up cranky? There's the pressure. You're under a war and God's going, awesome. This is going to be good today. He's going to overcome fear today. Oops. He didn't do it that time. Maybe next time. Oh, well, next time. (laughs) And one of these times it's going to go, why am I afraid? I don't do fear. What's the lie I'm believing God? I was waiting for you to ask that question. Here's the truth. Amen? Now, the people around you, especially in your family, are popping off their own fruits. Am I right? Now, is the fruit the real issue? Well, it's already been forgiven by Jesus. Where's the issue? It's down this root. Well, can any of you fix your spouse's root problem? <laughs> we can fix the root. Let's just wipe it off. <laughs> no, but the reality is, we can't fix that, right? We don't know what created the root damage, it's covered in dirt. We don't know what life experiences, what have taught lies that they believe that's now manifesting in some pretty rotten fruit. We don't know what that is. God does. So he's the only one who can fix it. Amen? So a big part of this forgiveness is recognizing that rotten fruit that's dropping off their trees is coming from a problem you can't fix. Therefore, the fruit's his problem too. Get it? If the root's his problem, the fruit's is now his problem. So forgiveness is all about giving God his problems. Amen? It's like, wow, wife, what you just said really hurt me. But I'm not going to eat that because it's not mine. I forgive you and I bless you. That's how Jesus modeled it. Forgive and bless. Does that make sense? Now, if I take a bite, there's poison in that. It's going to make me sick. I'm going to have an emotional reaction to the poison that's in the fruit. I'm going to feel the rejection, the pain, the offense, the fear, 
whatever what's in that, within that fruit is going to manifest in an emotional re- reaction. I, that, I can't deny that. Okay? I, it's, yep, there it is. That's evidence that I ate something that didn't belong to me. Now, if I don't follow through with Jesus' model of forgiveness, forgive and bless, I have an automatic defense mechanism that just defaults to. That looks like I'm hurt. And now I'm going to take the seed of judge and execute punishment and I remove love from you. It's going to look like aggression. I'm going to raise my voice. I'm going to attack verbally, however that is. Or I'm going to create distance. I'm going to get up the silent treatment. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder and I'm going to punish you with my silence. Am I talking to the right people? Both of those are evidence, okay, we have just taken the place of judge, believing we can fix the, the root problem with our behavior. And it's going to be a lie. You can't fix it. Our punishment does not change anything. Our punishment will not bring change. It will only create dis- disconnection. Am I right? If I'm in that seat of judge, he's not. And he's the only one who can fix it. So my job is to, yeah, I'm going to renounce the judgments that I made. Bad fruit, bad person. Lie, liar. Thief, stealer. You hear what I'm saying? We're quick to make those judgments. So I need to renounce those. Because those judge, and you shall be judged. But measure you meet, it's going to be measured back to you. Those are the things that come back on me. So if I'm sitting in that seat making judgments, those things that are going to come back on me. It looks like this. Hmm. Whatever root issue that created that fruit problem, whatever spirits that brought the corruption to that root is now coming to me. And I find myself under the same influence that created the root problem. That's the measure I get. I don't want that. Because I'll, I'll soon discover that the measure that I make, that, that this, under the pressure that they receive, when that pressure comes upon me, I find myself doing the same thing. Producing the same fruit. That's why alcoholics raise children who are alcoholics. Because they've judged their dads. And the same judgment has become back on them. That makes sense. So part of this forgiveness is, yeah, I'm going to remove myself as judge and I'm going to give you, it, I'm going to acknowledge this. God, you're God and I'm not. It's your job to fix them. It's my job to love them. Period. Even my enemies, I'm not allowed to take that spot. Even if I don't like the president. I'm not allowed to take that spot. Even if I don't like our senators. I'm not allowed to take that spot. That's his job. My job is to love him. How do I love him? I'm going to hear what God has to say about them. I'm going to say what he says. That's called the blessing. 
When I speak his blessings, that is what carries life and power that actually releases life into the roots. That's why forgiveness is such a key to this connection with God. Amen? A lot of times when we're feeling that disconnection, one of my first questions is, God, is there anyone I need to forgive? Am I, have I judged anyone? Amen? Let's stand. Father God, it's my desire. Go ahead, pray that. To stand before you in right relationship with you. The words, it is well with my soul. I, I want to become a reality. Holy Spirit, am I holding any wounds or offenses or judgments against anyone that I need to forgive? The Holy Spirit search. He'll bring names. He'll bring faces to your mind. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the same power of forgiveness that I've received, I choose to forgive those who have wounded and offended me. I forgive them for their behaviors, their attitudes. And if you need to be specific, go ahead and do that right now. And I release all of their fruit into your hands. And I release myself from how their fruit has affected me. I release the rejection, the wounds, the pain. Anything else comes to your mind? Go ahead, just release. How did they make you feel? Release that. And I receive from you, Father God, what you have to give me in exchange. Father, what would you like to give me? And then just listen for a while. And I receive from you, Father, peace, your loving acceptance, healing, restoration. 
And I renounce all judgments that I've made. And I break their power to influence them. And to come back upon me. And my family. And my ministry. And I declare. I am now free. Of all offenses. Wounds. And judgments. And I refuse to hold these against them any longer. Just as if they'd never happened. I choose to instead bless them. Now do that. Just bless the people that you were thinking of. What would God have to say about them? Amen. How do you feel? That was just kind of a simple walkthrough. Wouldn't you know the the steps? Forgive the fruit, the roots. Release yourself from how they've affected you. Receive from God what he wants to give you in exchange. And then bless. Four steps. Okay? Got that? Because sometimes forgiveness isn't just a one-time thing. A lot of times it's walking it out. It's choosing. Oh, I just felt rejected by what they just said or did. Oh, I ate something that didn't belong to me. Yeah, God, that's yours. And I bless. It's training yourself to be respond that way. So you take those, you know, the scriptures that we read it yesterday. They take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Well, the same is effective to the, that's, is the same in, in, the, in the emotions. I get to take my emotional reactions captive. I don't, have to, I don't have to agree with how I'm feeling. I recognize, oh, I'm feeling really angry. Oh, I just ate something that didn't belong to me. God, that's yours. And now I bless. Practice that. Train yourself to respond in forgiveness. Amen? Amen. You good? Last night, go ahead, if you need to go, go ahead, I'm going I'm to minister for a bit, huh? We're going to have lunch? Okay. Brian, last night, I saw God placing upon you, you had a dark black shirt on, and I saw God placing upon you like a priest collar, and I'm thinking, what is that? And that doesn't mean you need to go out and join an Episcopal or a Catholic church, but I saw God, God giving you... Uh, a, a priesthood anointing. And in this priesthood anointing, is the rec- it carries an anointing that others recognize. And kind of, the, kind of the sense that I got was people coming to you and confessing their struggles. And in that confession, instead of giving, well, do this, how many rosemaries, and this, how many, whatever that is, is you being able to... <laughs> it's like, rosemaries? No, it's not rosemaries. <laughs> It's, here, here's a piece of rosemary. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's you being able to say, you being able to say, 
let's talk to God about that. You bringing them into connection with God as, as a royal priesthood. And I just saw that, that upon you. Amen? Amen. My brother is not here today. That was over here. He's probably part of the wedding. Mike? Oh. I have a word for you, too. Right behind you, the plaid shirt. Young man in plaid shirt. That's you. I had a picture of God. It's like, it's like you're coming into this season of, your, of a war, of a warrior. And God dressing you in armor that is fit for you. I, I felt like you've been trying to do what others have been doing. You've been trying to put on their armor, kind of like David, trying to fit into somebody, how somebody else does it, how this person does it. How, and basically, it's feeling like it just doesn't fit you. And God giving you revelation and understanding, this is, what, this is what His grace upon you looks like. And this grace upon you is what shields your heart, what gives you the mind of Christ. It gives you the power and the strength to declare the truths that you hear. And the faith to resist the enemy. And I see you doing war, warfare on the benefit of those who are, are, who are young and innocent. Okay, I just see a, like this, this ministry to the youth. Because there's nobody there protecting them. It's like those, those kids that, have, that, that don't have a dad. And they need somebody to stand in the gap for them. To protect them. To speak for them. Anyway, I just see that upon you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of His presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.